Once again, we are so glad you are worshiping with us here in our modern worship space this morning. I invite you to please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Meredith did a fantastic job of summarizing. I really should watch those before I preach because I can pretty much say, yeah, what she said and sit down. Uh, but we are continuing our sermon series today. Actually, this is the end of our sermon series because next week we have Palm Sunday and then Easter. So this is our last covenant-focused series sermon. And we have had a full one. We have talked about the covenants made with Noah, the covenants made with Moses, the covenant made with Abraham and Sarah. And last week, we actually looked at a covenant through Christ by looking at a conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus. So we've looked at both the Old and the New Testaments. And even though we were in the New Testament last week, we're going to hop back into the Old Testament today. And it sounds like we're going out of order, but go with me. This will all make sense. All of these covenants are intertwined, including the covenant we'll read today. Our focus this morning is going to be on a covenant found in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet. He was someone who heard from God and who talked back to God directly. And prophets didn't just communicate or have discussions with God. Prophets also were given another really big charge as being a prophet. They were charged with the responsibility to share the discussions and conversations they had directly with God with the Israelites, with God's chosen people. The Old Testament is full of stories about prophets and messages that prophets brought to God's people. God's message to the people in these chapters that we're going to look at today are going to be found in chapter 30 and 31 from the book of Jeremiah. And these are constantly referred to as a book of comforts. Unlike some of the other passages where we read about God's punishments or the ways the Israelites have gone against God, our story today, our covenant today, is one of comfort. It comes from this time period where the Israelites are facing exile from the Babylonians, and they are in need of comfort, they're in need of hope, they're in need of promise. And there's a lot of pain that they've felt, that they've been going through. And it's this pain that Jeremiah addresses. The scripture reading today is especially important to me because it was actually the Old Testament reading at mine and Jake's wedding almost four years ago. And as we read this passage this morning, I encourage you to pay attention to the different times the word covenant is used and to pay special attention to this new covenant. Our passage today is found in the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31. We're going to look at verses 31 through 34. Hear these words. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. 
It won't be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. They broke this covenant with me, even though I was their husband, declares the Lord. No, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my instructions within them and engrave them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will no longer need to teach each other to say, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sins. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say together, thanks be to God. This was a passage we chose for our wedding because when I was in seminary, I fell in love with the beauty of this juxtaposition, the juxtaposition found in this scripture and the imagery that was invoked by it. Last week, we talked a little bit about the Gospel of John and those images of light and darkness, those motifs found throughout the book of John. And today, we get another mini literature lesson from the prophet Jeremiah. A juxtaposition is when two contrasting things are put together side by side, and you're able to see their stark differences. It's obvious that they're juxtaposed with one another. And a great example of this that I thought would be appropriate today is in the movie Up. We see Carl. He is the... tablets verse a law written on the hearts of all people the covenant Moses received was a stone tablet usually when I teach this passage I ask everyone to throw out attributes of stone of stone tablets anybody have any cold yeah hard tablets are pretty hard they're usually a neutral color they kind of blend in with their surroundings they don't get up and dance, right? Tablets are pretty inanimate. Yeah. And then I have everyone yell out attributes of a heart. What color are hearts typically? 
red, yeah, and our hearts really hard? No, they're pretty soft, right? Yeah, and do they just sit there? I mean, they may, but we hope they're beating and lively, right? Pumping blood, actively moving. God tells the Israelites that this new covenant that is offered, it won't be like those stone tablet covenants. It won't be something that's easy to break or go against. Instead, the new covenant will be written inside the hearts of the people. It's this internalization of a love from God that overflows and shapes the way they interact with one another. It also signifies a major shift in the relationship between God and God's people, the Israelites. Previous to this moment, the people of Israel, of Israel were separated into these different tribes. They had their own communities that they did faith with. They functioned as a group, as a community together. Their traditions, their beliefs, their way of living intertwined with the other people in their tribe, with their community. They came together through these laws made of stone and they lived a certain way that distinguished them as people of God. Yet in this new covenant that God offers, God shares that there will actually be an individual relationship that each person will have with their creator. That instead of needing prophets, so Jeremiah may be out of a job here. Sorry, Jeremiah. Instead of needing prophets or experts on the Holy Scripture, the people themselves will have the opportunity to intimately know God. They will have the opportunity to know God so intimately, just like a heart beating inside their chest. And this relationship will be available to all of the Israelites, from the greatest to the least, our scripture reading says. That last verse of our reading also demonstrates that the old way of punishing people for their sins or punishing people for something that their ancestors did long ago, like we read about in those early covenants, that all of those are things of the past. God says that the Israelites' wrongdoing will be forgiven and that their sins will no longer be remembered. It's an extraordinary grace. God has already demonstrated this grace to the Israelites time and time again as they wander in the wilderness. But to give them a new covenant with the promise of an individual relationship with God this is extraordinary. It's a powerful love, a powerful grace. And it isn't just limited to this individual relationship. The verses right before and right after our readings for today have a lot of language that allude to the rebuilding of Jerusalem, to the rebuilding of the temple and a restoration of the Israelites' land post-exile. That's the communal aspect of this covenant. As a nation of people, they are charged with truly living out their faith. 
not simply following rules written long ago, while they are being given this this opportunity to have an individual relationship with God, their communities are still relevant. They're still an important part of this covenant. God refers to them as his people, as the house of Israel, as the house of Judah. They are not separated from their identity as the people of God. This covenant, this new way of living, leaves space for an individual relationship with God and for a community that, worship God to, that worships God together too. I try to be really, really careful when I preach Old Testament texts to do my best not to misrepresent the context into which the scripture is found. As Christians, it can be really tempting to claim ourselves as the Israelites, when really historically and ancestrally, most of us are linked back to Gentiles, not the, the Hebrew people. It's important for us to always be aware of the context in which each of these Old Testament stories take place and still we can learn from their stories. Because even though the Israelites are not our blood ancestors for the most part, they are our faith ancestors. And we can learn from these experiences that the Israelites had with God, especially when we look at this new covenant in Jeremiah. As Christians, as a community of believers, we believe in both those individual aspects of our relationship with Christ and our communal aspect with Christ. That's why we're all here worshiping together this morning. We also believe that God works in ways that don't always fit in these neat little rules of society. Still, God works. Our faith in Christ is deeper than our society. It's deeper than our culture. Our faith in Christ it should be written on our hearts, on these warm, beating hearts, not on cold, stationary stone. This passage from Jeremiah was an important part of our wedding because Jake and I didn't want our marriage to signify something that was only true in the eyes of the state or of the law, something of cold stone. Instead, we wanted this passage to serve as a reminder that our commitment to one another was grounded in our faith in Christ and that it was a living, breathing thing ever-changing, ever-growing, ever-pumping. The intimacy of this covenant found in Jeremiah in the Old Testament is groundbreaking. As Easter people, we see the ways that this covenant points to the cross. I want to share this quote from Karl Barth, a theologian. He wrote this on this passage, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. 
This and this alone is the basis of the love, which is the fulfillment of the whole law. And as God does this, God's law, in virtue of which love is expected of us, is the law of the gospel. This is the covenant. We are called to have both an individual and a communal relationship with God. And it's through Jesus Christ that we are given this living, breathing newness. As the Israelites were shown grace by God in the days of exile, as they worked tirelessly towards restoration, they were given this covenant, this new way to be in relationship with their creator. We, too, are given a new covenant, a covenant written inside our hearts, brought to life by Jesus Christ. As we end our sermon this morning, I wanna take a moment for us to remember the Asian American and Pacific Islander lives that were taken this past week in Atlanta. I hope that each of us as a community of believers, as Christians, that we will find ways to learn more about the racism that exists all around us and to hear the stories of those who experience hate and that we will react to those instances as people of God, as people of a living, breathing, beating faith. I've shared with you all that throughout Lent, I've been reading this book, A Rhythm of Prayer, And I thought it was appropriate today to share a prayer written, it's a very short prayer written by Reverend Kim Court, who is an Asian American Presbyterian minister. She's a speaker, a writer, and she writes a slinger of hopeful stories about faith and church. Will you join me as we lift up her words in prayer? God, heart of my own heart, be my sight, by my song, by my light, Soften my heart that it would break for your world. Lead my hands and feet to do work that is poured out for the sake of your children. Make me brave, make me hope, make me trust, make me love. In Jesus' sweet, sweet name, amen. Thanks be to God.